This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, TJ Peterson. And for the first time since probably 2019... The Panthers are not sitting in a playoff spot. Ouch. Now, I have no idea if that's actually the case. And, of course, there's <laughs> there's a caveat here of uh, of being games. like a certain amount of games into the season. Because, Ten obviously, games, right? if you lose game one, you're probably not going to be sitting in a playoff spot. Uh, Panthers didn't. They won game one. So at that point they were no I yeah no I I don't mean this year necessarily ah yes I mean in years prior yeah no it it feels like it's been a very long time since the Panthers have been sitting outside of the playoffs I don't expect that to hold I mean at, at the... DJ shut up <laughs> look man look man the the saying isn't even fool me three times shame on me. It's only fooled me two times. This is three times now where I I can't do it three times in a row. I just can't be like they're they're doing everything right, but the you know, there's PDO and the other goalie stole the game and whatever you want to say. I, I can only say it so many times before it I can't even believe it. Like I can I have to stop believing it at some point. Look. The I've been thinking about how I want to put it because I think it's totally different from like a situation where like, let's say the Canucks came into the season and they expected to be a good team and they lost a bunch of games to bad teams. They look like a different team with different issues than this year's Panthers team. And I've been trying to figure out what I think the issue is. And I don't think the issue is application. I think the players are working hard. I think the players are committed. I don't think the issue is roster construction. I think there's a lot of talent on this roster. And the fact that it's not the blue line that seems to be causing the team's issues further leads me to believe that it's not roster construction. Because if anything, like if if I were to show you this roster and, and say that this this team just lost three games in a row or, or three out of four to teams that are projected to finish in the bottom five of the standings, you would say, Oh, it's because their defense couldn't stop the other team's offense. And that's not been the problem. And I can only really look at the just vast disparity that went on last night in special teams. When Arizona's 
paltry talent ran circles around the Panthers' power play. I sent out a tweet last night that I think is out of context. I said, this is pathetic. That was a minute into the penalty kill that the Coyotes eventually scored on 30 seconds later. I tweeted, this is pathetic. 30 seconds before the Coyotes even scored. Because it was pathetic. They were running around with absolutely zero structure. The Coyotes were getting to the front of the net and getting grade A scoring chances with extreme ease. And that was nothing that we saw from the Panthers power play, which had vastly more talent. So look, I'm just some schmuck and I've been wrong before, but I like to think that getting this stuff right is important to me. And I put the work in to try to be right more often than I'm wrong. And what I think is going on right now is that the coaching and the systems are not optimal. Whatever the issue is between it's not right for the personnel or it's not right for the way that defenses counter it in the modern NHL, it's not working. It has to be adjusted. But I ultimately think that there are very, very few teams that start out with this kind of statistical profile and then continue losing games like this. But that's probably because those teams are like, if we're dominating the possession this much, we should be winning. So we got to tweak something a little bit here. And most of the time, like I think last year's Panthers is probably an, an example of this, where they were dominating a lot of games and they didn't win on the road in particular. And that was not an issue by the end of the year. They were one of the best road teams in the league by the end of the year. What do you think? I That's, that's where I am. So I think that'll about wrap it up for this episode of Panther Pre. Rate us five stars. No, um, <laughs> ha, we tricked you into listening to listening to TJ rant for a few minutes. What I have to say about that, uh, the Florida Panthers uh, of of the 2022-23 variety have the 10th most goals scored and eighth fewest goals allowed at five on five. Mm-hmm which is good for the sixth best goals for percentage in the league at five on five. They also have the second best expected goals for percentage at five on five. So the five on five goal differential, just so you know, is 23 to 16. That's good. That's very good. Actually. They have plus one four power play goals all season. Mm -hmm. They have allowed 11 minus short. Not shorthanded. They have given they have, up the the penalty kill has given up seven uh, has given up eleven. The yeah. power play has scored four. Yeah, minus seven. The Coyotes scored what would have been half of the Panthers' season total in power play goals last night against their penalty kill. And I will quote what Dom Lushijan, which is totally the wrong pronunciation of his name, but whatever. Lushijan. Lushijan. I, I think he, it is. he 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 said it to us as like. You can kind of frame it as like loose chicken and then yeah, go from it was there, like, right? That was pretty much what he said. Uh, so he said that this is the worst collection of talent that his model has ever seen. And that collection of talent scored twice on the Panthers penalty kill. And the Panthers have four power play goals all season. There are only four teams that have allowed more goals while killing a penalty this season. Uh, and that's the Kings, the Ducks, the Canucks, and the Oilers. Fortunately for the Panthers, they have games uh, coming up 
against the Kings and the Ducks, so maybe they can get their power play rolling against the actual worst penalty kills in the league. So at five on five, though, this team is playing extremely sound hockey is really the point that I was trying to demonstrate initially. They're playing yeah. excellently at five on five. The problem is entirely in the special teams. The power play cannot buy a goal and the penalty kill cannot stop a shot. Mm-hmm. Is that coaching becomes the next question. You are on the side of yes. I, what I what I am more so trying to say than that's coaching, because I think that if I lead with that, people are going to think I'm saying Paul Maurice isn't a good enough coach, and until he gets fired, he's not. But that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> until he gets fired, this is going to keep on happening. No, I think that the way that they're trying to approach the power play and the penalty kill is leading to these results. And because of how much they're dominating possession at five on five and how much they're getting expected goals on power play, how much they're not allowing them or how little they're allowing expected goals on the penalty kill. It really just leads me to believe that if they just move a couple of things around, all of a sudden things will just fit right in place and their expected goals will more accurately reflect their actual goals. And I mean, in the sense that the goals will be more favorable, not, not that the expected goals will be less favorable. The particularly frustrating part about the power play to me is when you sort it by expected goals for per 60 minutes, Yep. this, this now standardizing for, for time on the power play, so obviously teams with fewer power play opportunities are going to have, or you would assume would have fewer power play goals. Expected goals for per 60 minutes, the Panthers power play is seventh. Actual goals per 60 minutes, the Panthers are 30th. I'm so shocked it's not 31st because the, the Blue Jackets don't have any goals. The Ducks are the team below them. This game against the Ducks, <laughs> man... Real important spark for our special teams. If we can't hack it against fucking Anaheim, then I might hit a little bit of a panic button. Famous last That words. disparity between goals for per 60 minutes and expected goals for per 60 minutes is extremely significant. But what I would really draw from that is, again, that means that the team is playing well. They're yeah. just not finishing. Yeah. So I'm going to say at least the power play is not coaching the no i think it's coaching the system is there you don't get to be seventh and expected goals for per 60 minutes if your scheme is bad but expected goals doesn't take one thing into account that i think is really crucial on a power play and that's the position of the goalie and i think that that's where the panthers power play is just not getting any joy because I think that we're also underselling Aaron Ekblad's importance to our top power play unit a little bit. I'll allow it. I personally don't agree, but I think it's plausible. I mean, we're missing our best shot. Not our best shooter, mm-hmm. but Ekblad's shot is an extremely the best one-timer, weapon. Yes. For sure. Uh, another fun fact, uh, expected goals against for 60 minutes on the penalty kill. The Panthers also have the seventh best that is surprising to me i think that one is pretty simple it's is the goaltending 
over the 10 game sample size is not what you would want, but goaltending is also not really a coaching issue. Yeah. But if that, I don't blame, I don't really blame coaching. I don't really blame coaching for the penalty kill. Like I'll take that back because I I think it's just volatility, 10 game sample size of goalie play. Uh, Spencer Knight started in goal last night. Like I was saying about that penalty kill that was pathetic. The one thing that wasn't pathetic about it was Spencer Knight. He made a number of very good saves on it. However, I thought that the loss in Kraus goal, he flat out should have stopped. I don't think it was a horrible goal. It's the but... one player that I would want to not score. Yeah, that's also <laughs> true. But I, I, I think it's a shot it's that always he can the stop. Former Panther. It's always the former Panther. It's and... either always the former Panther or it's Sam Reinhardt or Sam Bennett. Fortunately, the other two are on our team now. Mm-hmm. Um there's some goalie this, coach, I can't remember who it is, but they have Rob goals Tallis. in three categories, which is didn't have a chance on one side of the spectrum, should have stopped it on the other side of the spectrum, and then in the middle is could have stopped it, and both the goals last night I felt like could have stopped it for yeah. for Spencer. But like he made what was like 22 saves or something like that, so overall 24 shots, two goals against. He wasn't the issue. But no. at the same time, it's like it's super frustrating. The Panthers because, generated like nearly seven expected goals last night. Yeah, it, it's super frustrating when your goalie gets outplayed every night, and you can't just turn to your goalie and say you didn't play well enough because that's not really true. Right, a team with as much talent as the Panthers have, and generating the chances that they are. Like given given the underlying numbers that we have access to, I can't imagine this skid lasts for long. It would be unprecedented. Yeah. I I think the only thing that would really allow this skid to continue would be to for the underlying numbers to get worse. And I don't Which think is that's also possible. I don't think it will happen. I, I would also doubt it because again, like this team is the collection of talent is excellent, like top to bottom. The the team, let's say for the last we, there's 11 only one periods, bad player in my opinion. the The last eleven periods that one the Panthers have played have been dominant. That one, that first period against Chicago, frankly, it was a tie. Both teams were awful, <laughs> and Sergei Bobrovsky didn't make two saves he should have made. Like that, that was a goaltending game because Bob was bad. And uh, on the other side, like in, in the second and third period, what, what was the goalie for Chicago that night again? Uh, stay lock. Yeah. So stay, stay lock did play very well. I thought, but one might, one might say he stayed locked. And uh, yeah. Yeah. One might say that one might also focused. not say that one might also one not say probably that. shouldn't say that <laughs> one should probably move. <laughs> One should probably move on. But, you know, the, the next 11 periods, I felt like they just totally dominated and they did end up scoring, what was it, uh, seven goals, which, you know, that's an average of over the course of a game, like two and a half, I think. I can't, re- I can't do math right now. That's okay. Like, could, could obviously be better. Actually, no, I, I feel like that that's not good enough. 
but it's it's frustrating though like i was saying earlier like you're you're getting that goal output and the the fan brain is taking over in my mind by saying this because i know that there's no real reason to actually believe it's a thing but they didn't get a timely save it's yeah. it was just like three games in a row because i didn't feel like it happened against arizona in particular but it was like okay, you've generated a little bit of offensive momentum. It, it was particularly against Philadelphia and against Ottawa. You've generated some offensive momentum. You've worked really, really hard. You scored, and then the other team scores as soon as they get their first opportunity. Just no yeah. timely save. The Panthers have lost three of their last four. Yes. Fortunately for the narrative, the one win was against Ottawa. Yes. <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, I also take back everything I said about Anaheim, the Anaheim game being a bit of a spark plug or a bit of a, a bit of a spark for mm-hmm. our special teams because the Panthers will be, uh, I guess the Ducks too. Both teams are, will be on the second leg of a back-to-back. So yeah, it's a mind. sludge it game, baby. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. But I think the Panthers win ugly hockey against Anaheim. Mm-hmm. I just looked something up. Mm-hmm. So there are 32 teams in the NHL, correct? No. So veritably, you would imagine that there are 32 top pairings. Yes. So you would expect the top 32 pairings to all be considered generally the the best pairings. Yes. All three of the Panthers' defensive pairs sit in the top 32 uh, of Money Puck's expected Mm -hmm. goals percentage. Mm -hmm. All three of them. Mm -hmm. Two in the top five. Mm-hmm. This is where you do actually have to credit Paul Maurice. Yes, I I feel like the the special the Paul teams Maurice are so bad. Structure is fantastic. It's really working out so far, which is crazy because if there's one thing that you didn't associate with his Jets, it was defensive structure. I think that might have had more to do with the personnel available. Yeah, you to can him. certainly say that now because the defensive structure has been fantastic this year. It's been phenomenal. Fair. I I would I will give credit to Paul Maurice, um, the Winnipeg Jets Paul Maurice for trying to make the most of the players he had, uh, and then coming to Florida and being like, "Oh, this is what good defensemen look like." And it's not and even actually it's not them. even good defensemen. It's like fine defensemen. I mean, look at look at the talent. Clearly, on this it's line. good defensemen, and also Mark Stahl. I mean, look, we we like all the players on the blue line except for Mark except Stahl. Mark Stahl. But like, <laughs> objectively, not one of the most sixteen talented blue lines in the NHL, even with Ekblad, I would say. I don't know how you can argue that. Like, I don't know how you can make that point considering the defensive performance of the team. I think it's Maurice, though, which is yeah, totally defeating what I was which saying means earlier. that the team is. A top sixteen defense. Whether or not you think, I know your point. No, here, no, no. I'm saying the, the talent of the defenders, oh, right? But he's drawing out their talent, so yeah. I have to disagree yeah. with you. Okay, I think that's fair. Paul Maurice is doing his best job of drawing the talent out of our defensemen, and I think that makes them a top sixteen talent pool. Yeah, and ultimately, I am shocked to say that. Like if 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 you had asked me in August where I think our defense would rank, uh, especially in the face of an Ekblad injury, 
I probably would have guessed bottom 10. Mm -hmm. Certainly not top 10. Mm -hmm. With Techblad, I probably would have guessed like we'd probably finish somewhere in the 10 to 20 range, probably closer to 20. Like this was a year where I thought we would be outscoring our problems. Yeah, the opposite is happening clearly. We need to start outscoring our problems. No, we just need to start scoring. Scoring is the problems. Yeah, actually. (laughs) Once you start scoring, there aren't really problems left. And I mean, I I know that Ekblad is always going to chip in with offense, but I feel like when he's contributing offense at five on five, and I guess on the power play too. Yeah. He's not really doing it in the way like a Roman Yossi or an Eric Carlson would. He operates more like a forward yeah. at five on five offensively. So like, I think that you could definitely make the argument that like, oh, he's just one other stud forward that these teams would continue to shut down because Sam Reinhart shut down, Barkov shut down, Bennett shut down. The only guys that I would say have really not been shut down at all is the third line, which has been fantastic for some reason, converting way above their XG. <laughs> I really don't have any explanation for that. And we have to say Matthew Kachuk. He's I'm just that Reagan. good that he doesn't he doesn't have slumps. He's please just do not, please do not deny Carter Verhage. Oh yeah, Carter Verhage too. I don't wanna I don't wanna put him in that category because he can he can bomb it and He's done so. And the team has needed those calls desperately, but you know they also needed a goal desperately in Chicago, yeah, in Philadelphia, in Arizona, and he didn't contribute anything in those games that I can remember. Maybe he had a point on that Montour goal in Philly, but other than that, I don't, I don't think so. I I could be totally forgetting about something, and that would be that would be funny. If somebody's like, oh, actually, he had the primary assist oh, on shit. that goal in Chicago. The Etu line has been – the Etu line. It's, it's the Lundell line. Uh, has it's been both. scored on. It's been scored on twice. It has been scored on once, according to Money Puck. I thought I was looking up this earlier, and it had a 6-2 goal differential. I'm seeing 6-1. to one. Okay. Well, maybe it was uh, – I don't know. But uh, I got the six part right, so I, I guess I wasn't going to, totally crazy. Well, now that they've allowed a goal and they're not perfect, they're and now that they're not a perfect hundred uh, percent. Now I think you put Sam Reinhardt back with Anton Lundell. Staple the two of them together. Now that that now that that line has conceded a singular goal, uh, staple Sam Reinhardt to Anton Lundell. Those two were phenomenal together last year. You want to re unlock Sam Reinhardt? Give him his center back. And you know who I think is like proven to be a very good complimentary piece on any line? Colin White. Because he's done it. Colin White is the guy that I would move up to the first line. Second. I agree with you. I would still say second. I would still I would still go over Hagee Barkov Kachuk. That okay. line has been fantastic. That has line is though? so much yes. But it hasn't that line scored. Has been a lot of fun to watch. It's not scoring. Uh if you're gonna have that much talent together, Kachuk, I don't Barkov Verhage. Something's wrong here. There's no way this is accurate. Uh, no, you know what? It could be. They've played three games together now. Um, Kachuk, Barkov, or Hagee in their 37 minutes together have scored five goals. What? Are you serious? According to Money Puck. Damn. I cannot remember these goals at all. 
They were probably. No, I mean there was there was the Verhage goals against Ottawa, but those are the only ones I can remember. That's right. Those are the only ones I can remember. Let me check natural stat tricks line tool and see if uh, maybe they were on the Iceland when like Gudis and Mahura scored in Philly, which like I can't count that. I can. That's still a goal generated by that five man unit that included that particular forward line. Those were from the point. Honestly, um, how dare you say anything even remotely negative about Josh Mahura? Why do you think this is negative about Josh Mahura? No, uh, natural stat trick too. Matthew Kachuk, Alexander Barkov, Carter Hagee, 37 minutes together, five goals, four, one against. Yeah, I That is think... on ice, so it could count point shots that went in while those three were on the ice. Oh, Ch- Kachuk scored against Chicago or against Philly. I can't remember which of those games he scored in, but he had a goal I in. I can't know those. those. <laughs> um, he definitely didn't score in both. Well, I don't I'm know why I said add Mahura and Gudis to this and go five man unit and because Gudis had the first goal against oh, no that was Forsling no that was Forsling Ma- Mahura Kachuk Barkover Hagee Gudis when the five of them are all on the ice uh no goals for or no goals against okay so that wasn't one of them whatever I think this we're getting lost in the sauce I don't think we are because the point here is that you keep Verhage Barkov Kachuk. And then I guess you try Bennett, White, and Balsers as a line. Saying that out loud doesn't feel nearly as good. That's your third third line, if that's that's your line. That's exactly what I was about to say. You go Verhege Barkov, Kachuk is number one. Then your second line becomes Etu, Anton, Reinhardt. So since you're on Money Puck, did you see the expected goals for Balsers, Bennett, Reinhardt? Oh, it's very good. It's very high. It's obscenely good, which is... Kind of bizarre. Yeah. You would not have expected that. That line has the, according to uh, Money Puck, that line has the sixth highest expected goals for a percentage of any trio in the league. And it is kind of a small sample, but it's not... It's 28 minutes. Yeah, Yeah, that's that for this time of the year. Kachuk Barkov Verhage, by the way, is eighth on that list. Yeah, and they're they're getting the finish, and that's something at this point in this the season after you've just really really struggled to convert shots into goals that you really got to consider. Right, like that's not gonna last. It's not like this team can't score. I, I don't know. Do, I mean, no. it's not gonna I don't last. Think they'll necessarily it's not gonna have last the goal, the goal games. totals that they have that they had last year. They're not gonna match that. But I mean, this could be like the, uh, I can't remember what year what it was, but the Kings led the league in Corsi percentage one year and still missed the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that was like four years ago, I think. I think it was closer to their cup window. So maybe it was like eight years ago, but whatever. I it's think not it was important. more recent, but yeah, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out like why that wouldn't yeah, be you know, the case. <sighs> I, I, I also can't... just don't know about I'm I'm thinking about the whole Lundell Reinhardt thing as the second line. Uh-huh. But I don't know, because part of what made I think part of what made Lundell and Reinhardt so good together was that they played against third lines. Mm-hmm. Like they, they were able to just devour other teams' third lines, especially when you add Mason Marchman in. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily know. Maybe, maybe you try them as the second line, especially after you trade Sam Bennett away for a, uh, for a defenseman, for a top four defenseman. <laughs> Sam for Sam. Welcome Samuel Gerard to Florida. See the issue there, and I know you've been, you've been honking that horn. I don't know. <laughs> Let's go with it. Why not? <laughs> you've been honking that horn for a little while. Sam Gerard makes more money than Sam Bennett. As he should. I don't care. Um, I don't but care. you still need to make sure you clear the cap space there. We're we don't have the cap space to make that trade on its own. Wave. We would have to give wave up Patrick Hornquist and bring up a minimum forward. Bring up Pepe Niemia or something. That makes a space. I suppose. You also need to. I mean, I I just I don't see a world in which Hornquist finishes this season either on the team or quote-unquote healthy like i hornquist has to be the the domino that falls to bring anthony duclair back yeah because they they, no one else that it could be unless it is like another ekblad injury type of thing where somebody that makes significant money goes on ltir let's not plan for that though yes i agree (laughs) with you there's no sense planning unless that, that someone is Patrick Hornquist. Yeah, and like that very well could gotta be. be the domino. I I guess so, but you know I like to think that this organization does things a little bit more by the book. Right. So well, I guess you're not a Hornquist trade then. If you're not, maybe, if you're not cheating, you're not trade trying. Sam Bennett for a sec for a first round pick. I don't know just, if you're getting a first round pick for Sam Bennett right now. I'm sure someone would pay that at the deadline. I guess if Nels Lundqvist got a first-round pick, then I can't really say that Sam Bennett's not getting one. To be completely fair. So yeah, maybe may, we're we're we've been on on board the the Bennett for a defenseman train for a long time at this mm-hmm. point. Maybe you just trade him for a pick, call up a new fourth line center from the AHL. Yeah, I don't blame what's going on on back. Bennett. No, not at all. Okay. I feel like I need to explain out loud in words why I have been saying trade Sam Bennett, trade Sam Bennett. It's not for any, like, I know the, the Panther Puri history with Sam Bennett would lend itself to saying trade Sam Bennett for reasons that you would assume from two years ago is sus. The reason I want, the reason I keep saying Sam Bennett has nothing to do with that. Yeah, we we were wrong about that. He had a very good end of that season here. Last year he was excellent as well. This yeah. year he's been a little slow to start, but that's besides the point. I I'm not like I'm not taking a victory lap because Sam Bennett hasn't been great yet this season. The reason I say Bennett is center is a position of significant strength for this team. Yeah, we have like ten centers on our on our roster, mm-hmm. and just six of them are playing wing. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, <laughs> we're playing Eric Stahl. Right, that too. But like Carter Hagee is a natural center. Sam Reinhardt is a natural center. Colin White is a natural center. Like we yep. have, we have so many centers. That is a significant position of strength. And when you are trading to address a need, you trade from a position of strength to address your weakness. And mm-hmm. when you consider the value of each of our centers. Bennett is the one who sticks out at that equilibrium of valuable and expendable. Mm-hmm. 
Barkov is far too valuable. The only way you trade Barkov is if you somehow get Connor McDavid in return. Yeah. Lundell is your gamble. Lundell is who you are promoting once this trade goes through. You're hoping he becomes a better version of Sam Bennett. Right. You're hoping he becomes a better version of Sam Bennett that you don't even need to pay as much. You're hoping he becomes a second line version of Sasha Barkov. (laughs) Other than those three, and then Bennett is the third. Those three are our only centers with real value right now. You could argue that Sam Reinhart is is one of them too. I would be inclined to allow that argument. You could make the case that Sam Reinhart is at that crossroads as well. Mm-hmm. Reinhart is a much better player than Bennett. I know it like not playing better be. right now. Well, I'm not even sure I'd say that. He doesn't have as many goals, but I'm not even sure I'd say that he's not playing better. The trickier part with Reinhardt also is his cap hit. Yeah. Ben, it's also easier to move because he's half the price of Reinhardt. Yeah, not quite half, but it's close enough. Right. So that's why I keep saying Bennett. It's because he is the one from a position of strength who is most at the equilibrium of valuable and expendable. He's who I think we could get the most bang for our buck back for. It has nothing to do with our take on the trade from two years ago. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I pretty much agree with all you're saying. And in, in addition to that, I think that if anybody is likely to be overvalued on this team, it would still be him. Like, you know, right. That's the, the grid, <laughs> grid and everything like that. And the fact that so much of that success, you have to question if it was Jonathan Huberto driven. Who flames fans, by the way, like let's talk about Huberto for just a sec. Flames fans are not happy at the moment. Yeah, they they can give it. They've got nine years with him. They could give it more than ten games. I I, I think just think it's really funny that the first ten games are not being received well. He yeah. has one five on five point. The Flames fan base, I'm sure, is expansive and has all kinds of people. But the same True. kinds of people that were very loud about. The Panthers screwed up their franchise. This was a horrible trade for them. The Flames won the trade. Oh, my God. We got Huberto and Uyghur extended for nine seasons, which I like the Uyghur extension just fine. The Huberto one, I feel like, is a disaster waiting to happen. Those are the kind of people that are like, those are the kind of people that are like, Huberto's horrible. What the fuck? He's invisible. He's missing. He's got to play better. So that person... Yeah, worth noting that there are branches of of the Panthers fan base who say trade Barkov after every game. Oh my God. Yeah, (laughs) that's pretty much what we're talking about here. Those people have reaped what they sowed, but I think that's a minority, and I think that's a small minority. By the way, Calgary uh, currently sitting in wildcard two in the very weak Western Conference. That, I I really like the way that team is playing though. Like last night they lost oh, the Kraken yeah. five to four, but Dan Vladar didn't have a great night. And also the Kraken are, are pretty good. Like they're they're an average team right now. So losing to an average team, that'll happen. It's not the Panthers issue. They're losing to teams that are well below average. Yeah. So. Arizona doesn't have Maddie Veneers, but no. you could say you could argue they have Clayton Keller. And to that I say, shut up. <laughs> he's not as good. I don't even think he's as good. <laughs> I know. I just said Matty Beneers and not Jared McCann. I'm sure there are listeners who are like, why didn't he say McCann? Well, unfortunately, well, maybe not unfortunately. Matty Beneers is better. 
He yeah, just is. That's that's why I said also I have yeah. my veneers on one of my fantasy teams. So that's yeah, there the you other go. Reason. That's big. Um yeah, so uh <laughs> state of the Panthers right now. I mean, they're they're out of a playoff spot for the first time in what feels like years, but they're playing exceptionally well at five on five. Frankly, they're playing pretty well on special teams, also. It's just unfortunately not go like the bounces just aren't going their way. That's not gonna last. Yeah, I think that I have to agree. I so refuse to do... believe that a team with Josh Mahora in 2022 is going to fail. So we're going to do something a little bit unorthodox here. We're going to take a break because I screwed something up with the recording settings, but we'll be back in just a second, and we're not even going to stick an ad in between. I was so... going to say ad read. Damn it. <laughs> we, we can do an ad for a fake product if you want. I'll 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 splice in an, a fake ad read. Jesus. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Josh Mahura. Not with money or anything, but he's just the reason and, and the inspiration for all the things we do in our life. So thanks, Josh Mahura. All right, thanks again to our sponsors, Circuit City, Compaq, and Enron. We we love our, our great sponsors who are definitely still around and real. All right, Jake, so... We've come close to the end of the episode, and this is the point where I feel like, even though we've kind of hinted at it already, we should look forward and kind of prognosticate upon, is this something that we should be worried about long term, no. or is this something <laughs> that gets lost in the wash for the rest of the year? Look, I I kind of had this year written off to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, there's so little flexibility against the cap that this team just kind of is what it is. Uh, and as as the divisional rivals improve around them as the season goes on, uh, it's going to be hard for the Panthers to keep up. I, this is still a playoff team to me. I Whether they get out of the first round or not is, I don't know, we'll we'll have to see who the Panthers actually match up with when that time comes but I don't think they get any further than they did last year. So like, I don't think that for these problems to exist this season, I think is fine. Yeah. They're still going to make the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, I would rather work out the kinks this season when the Panthers have no flexibility and then just get into the playoffs and see what happens. And then all these problems are fixed, essentially, ideally. You take this season to solve any problems you have, and then you go into next offseason with $18 million of cap space plus whatever increase there is to the salary cap, and that's when you really get to start having some fun with this roster. Like, this is still a playoff team. I, I, would, I would just, I'd rather have these problems now than next year. Mm -hmm. There's like a part of my brain that's like there's a 5% chance that this is a lottery team where I would have said that that's a 1% chance, you know, four games ago. It was and never now, even as high as 1% in my opinion. Okay. We have differing opinions. I think 5% is a tiny number. I, I think that that's a very, it's a very small chance and it really freaks me out that the Panthers could potentially be a lottery team. Even if I'm saying there's a one in 20 chance of that happening in a year that they traded away their first round pick with zero protections and could potentially 
be seeing the Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli or Mate Michkov pick go to another team, which is so far flung that only I could actually worry about it. There's like <laughs> no way that it's actually plausible because even if they miss the playoffs, the chances of them missing the playoffs and the pick being in the lottery, tiny, infinitesimal. But at the same time, hey, the fact is, this was the easy part of the Panthers' schedule, and they're 500. They're Not also good. missing their top defenseman and a top six winger. Well, well, now those guys will be back for a harder part of the schedule where you might not be as dominant. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that it is still too early to really be thinking, okay, this is what we're going to be seeing in January, February. Not even like they'll keep playing like this and things will change and get better. It's just you can't really predict what's going to happen in January and February based on just these 10 games. I think that you can predict what's going to happen in January and February, but that's more so based off previous seasons. Like we know that Alexander Barkov is a really good player because we've seen him dominate for seasons on end and score close to 40 goals in a typical healthy season. And we could say a similar thing about Sam Reinhart. He's averaged in the last two seasons, 38 goals in 82 games. That's the pace that he's been playing on for the last two seasons. And he doesn't have any goals this year. 38. He's, Played at a 38 goal per 82 game pace. No. He has look not. it up. Oh, look it up. <laughs> and that just last is- year, last year his pace was 34. He scored 33 in 78. Mm-hmm. The year before is <laughs> just look up elite prospects, man. They're going to have it all on the same page. The season before was a 37. But that was in 0.96. 25 goals in 54 games. Okay, so it's more like 36. Maybe more like 35. I must have, I I did this earlier. I must have crunched the numbers. 54 and 78 is 132. 54 and 78. Yeah. That's 132. Um, Welcome to Math Parade. 36. His pace over the last two seasons has been a 36 goal pace, which is still higher than I would have expected. The fact that last season was actually a bit of a dip down (laughs) from the season before is kind of insane to me. And Uh, that that season was on the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, where he shot 19%. But that's because he's a good goal scorer. He's got a but good his shot. his career shooting percentage is just under 14. Even for him, 19 is insanely high. It is, but that's a 56-game sample. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him a 19% shooter. Oh, no. Which means you have, to, you have to take that into account when you're talking about... He's not a 0% shooter, I'll tell you that. No, certainly not. Um... That just can't. I'm not like, yeah, I guess technically, yes. He paced over the last two seasons for an average of 36 goals in an 82 game season. But -hmm. that's also considering two seasons where he shot much higher than his previous career average. Mm -hmm. Maybe that has to do with 
his teams though. Shooting percentage can certainly be impacted by your team. And last year he played with a much better team. Yeah. Against lesser competition. Mm-hmm. So and he, he, maybe he, he is looked- a 17% shooter on a better team. I just look at the individual components. And it's it it's just really difficult to say that anybody is getting lucky in any area. They're not no. giving up a lot of goals this year. Right. Giving up four to the Flyers was pretty bad, but you know, even in this streak, they gave up two real goals to the Coyotes. If you give up two goals in an NHL game, you should win. You should be getting to three every night if you're a good Especially team. Especially this Panthers team. If you're a yeah, if you're a good team, if you are a top ten team in the league, which Let's is see. not even teams that should expect to be in the second round. Our top Panthers, 10 teams. Panthers goals allowed this season. Uh one, three, five it five, which includes an empty net, three, three in overtime, two, four. Did Chicago score an empty net? They did, Jonathan Taves. So four including an empty net. Four including an empty uh did Philly score on the empty net? No. Duh. It was a one goal game, idiot. Uh four, three, three including an empty net. They have yet a goalie has yet to allow more than four goals, which I guess doesn't seem as good as it should, but what we've done it twice. One of those games was against Boston with four defense, unreal season with four defensemen. defensemen. That's when Montour went down. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Montour didn't play that game. Yeah. And that's That's when when Ekblad Ekblad went down. Montour mysteriously vanished and Ekblad got injured in that. Yeah, game. and I would I would say that the goals against, like, it shouldn't even be at that level. Yeah. Like, so really the, the is- one the game in Philly has been the one underwhelming defensive performance of this of the year so far. I one mean, game. not really though. Like no timely saves. Like I was saying, they didn't give up pretty sure. much anything other than the goals that was as far it. as far as goals allowed is concerned the game in philadelphia is the one game that i would consider a problem yeah okay that's fair that's really what i mean to say not so much not not as much as like the defense didn't play well in that one game that's the one game where the panthers allowed too many goals mm-hmm. or a problematic amount of goals rather because boston i can forgive boston given the circumstances yeah, th- this team should be able to survive giving up three goals any game. Yeah, I, you could also argue like giving up three to Chicago is... Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> but you should be able to score three against Chicago. You should not be able to getting score to three five against, or six against Chicago. Yeah, not getting to three against With Chicago. With Alex fucking Staylock in that, like, come is on. a way bigger problem than giving up three. Right. And if this team was giving up three expected goals... I would be even more concerned about that. Like, keep I, in I, mind, I, like, I, I just feel the need to remind everyone because of a thought that went through my own head. The Panthers had the best offense in the league last year before Claude Giroux showed up. Yeah. Kachuk's playing better than Huberdeau. Yeah. So, really, the problem is that we don't have Mason Marchman anymore. Yep. <laughs> no, that's it. That's it, man. Um, no, like it's it's just my point there is to illustrate that 
the forwards aren't much different no. from the group that had the best offense in the league. I, I think the that scoring Marchand... issues, I guess the coaching is also a difference there, but we've already established that the scheme structure and systems are not a problem this year. I I would say that they're not corrupt. Like the foundation is there. Yes. But you have to tweak what's going on above that for this to work. I feel like, because right. if it was, if it was just one, if it was just two, if it was just three games where I felt like, Oh, wow. Hot goalie. This is crazy. But it's been four games in a row yeah. that, that they have not shot 10% in a game. I love that one of those games includes a win. Yeah, one of them is a win, but you have 58 <laughs> shots. You, that, like, you're working yourself to death to beat Ottawa by one because you can't score unless you get 58 shots. I mean... You're you're not going to get 58 shots every night, so you have to figure out a way to score at least three goals without getting 58 shots, which shouldn't be a problem. It for this really team. shouldn't. That's that's really what I'm trying to illustrate. Getting and, to 58 shots yeah. is way harder than getting to than three, scoring goals. three goals. It's way harder. So somebody will figure that out. I feel against like against Anton Forsberg. I feel like any like... coach in the league, <laughs> even the ones that I would malign the most, could figure that out. Right. So like the the team will be fine. Ultimately, the team will be fine. But I want to complain about it right now because it's fucking miserable. <laughs> even like even with the knowledge that like it is unlucky, disappointing. This that... is unsustainable. It's still miserable. Yeah, it it is disappointing that the stretch of games that should have been against a bunch of bottom feeders uh, is resulting in in a five four and one record. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I realize just how crazy the underlying numbers were in Philly and in Arizona. Chicago was kind of a meh performance, even though yeah, I I feel like Bob was the one that was most responsible for that. But, but man, like it, it just, it, that has a certain level of bandwidth. And after three games, that's the point at which it breaks for me. That's the point at which yeah. I have lost patience. And just to, just to highlight one thing in particular, um, once the Panthers are back from this West Coast road trip, mm -hmm. the next stretch of games, Carolina. Edmonton, Washington, Dallas, Calgary. Yeah, that's not easy. You better figure the shit out. Yeah, you before, better. Before that homestand. Absolutely. And I wouldn't be surprised way, at all. Yeah, then then after the game against Calgary, they go up to Columbus for a night, come home, and they have Boston. And that game is on uh, Thanksgiving Eve, I believe. That is correct. So then we hit American Thanksgiving and the Canadian pundits will be like, well, we got the standings finalized. This is where everybody's going to finish. Uh, oh, Louis. did you know that historically by by American Thanksgiving, 80% of the teams that will make the playoffs will be in a playoff spot? Yeah, it's like no shit. Good teams are good. Good they teams win games. win games. Yeah, unbelievable, man. But it is true that a lot of times teams fool themselves and being like, wow, we are we are a good team, but mm -hmm. 
But things just aren't lining up for us now. Cough, cough, Buffalo's 10-game win streak a couple of years ago. (laughs) No, I mean, it's more so like a team like Vancouver this year that's like, wow, this is crazy. We keep losing these games, and it's so unlucky, even though there's no reason to say it's unlucky. Yeah, you're you're getting outshot, outchanced in every game. Didn't have didn't win a game until what was it, their fifth game? I think it was their eighth game. Was it? I think oh, they went oh five and two. They, yeah, maybe it was they had a point. They didn't get a point. They had yeah, they had some overtime losses. Which it would be really nice if the Panthers got an overtime loss in one of these games. I'd be way less upset. Vancouver is two six and two. At least we're not Vancouver. Oh God, they're gonna get Connor Bedard. This is this is a good way to wrap up the episode. At least we're not Vancouver, and this is the one I really want to say. At least we're not the Brooklyn Nets. That is a absolute catastrophe. That is a disaster. Alex would be much better equipped to have this conversation. But it's it's not even really a basketball conversation. All I know about what's going on with the Nets is they hired the coach from Boston who was suspended because he was having sex with a staffer. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's also the Kyrie being a bigot and a lunatic. Also, yeah, I, I am familiar with Kyrie's insanity. Basically, look, that that situation is just... I, I don't know how I would handle that if I went into that season being like, let's go Nets, I'm a Nets fan. I don't know how I would handle that. And that's not well, an issue right now. Uh, so that's that's the end of the episode. That's where we're going to leave you off. At least we're not the Brooklyn Nets. Because, man, that's a disaster. And at so, least we're not the Columbus Blue Jackets. In in Alex's stead, uh, I will right. make one yeah, mention that's also of bad the situation. god-awful Eric Branson uh, performance mm-hmm. so far this season. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Bobrovsky will play better. Uh, I w- did want to get in that Aaron Ekblad is starting to do some more advanced practicing. So that timetable back on November 12th. Yeah. That timetable. I was at, ske- at first skeptical because that's the first game that he could come off LTIR, but it now does look like realistic target and sus, but you know, after the lightning did the lightning things, I'm, I'm not really going to say that anybody should be criticized for doing that. They used the cap space to sign Eric Stahl. I'm not sure that I would put that in the same category. Okay, good point. <laughs> so where are they rating us five stars? Uh, rate us five stars on uh, WikiFeet. <laughs> where Ime Adoka is uh, is surfing. Apparently. I was trying to think of something to say about Josh Mahora. <laughs> so like Jake said, rate us five stars on WikiFeet. We love you, Josh Mahura. Eat your vegetables. Let's go, Panthers. We'll see you next week. Rest in peace, Alex Lopez. He's not dead. He just couldn't make the episode. Yeah, he's just resting peacefully. He'll be back. He'll be back. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? 
Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203.